Good afternoon, and we continue with Pirkei Avot, and we are Mishnah Dalad of Perik Base, and we spoke about Rabbi Gamliel. This was the third Rabbi Gamliel. Remember, who's Rabbi Gamliel the third? He's a seventh generation of Hillel. He's a descendant of Hillel, who's the uh, one of the foundational figures of the Talmud, quoted so many times, countless times in the Mishnah, and now we go back to him. He's the man who is known uh, traditionally as Hillel Hazaken, Hillel the Elder. He was the founder, as it were, of the very stable Sanhedrin, the legal system, and the uh, rabbis who composed the Talmud. Ultimately, it became recorded in Mishnayot and eventually into Gemara. But at this stage, we're still in Pirkei Avot, which is Mishnayot. And now we go back to Hillel. Hillel's ethical advice, um, and it's in the Mishnah, which began with the sayings, the statements of his great-great-great-great-great-grandchild, Rabbi Gamliel III. Hillel Oimer, Al Tifroish Min Hatzibur. Do not divide. Do not divide yourself. Do not separate yourself. Do not set yourself apart from the congregation, from the public, from those who make up your community. The word tzibur means community. Don't separate yourself from the community. So the question is, what do you mean don't separate yourself from your community? Why would you do that? Uh, does that mean when your community is having a good time, you should, uh, shouldn't separate yourself? Uh, that's not what he t- he's talking about. Do you know what he's talking about? Do you know communities go through very difficult times? I think that we know what that's about over the last few months uh, here in the year 2020, when we have been sitting on our own. And our only connection has been with perhaps a bit of a wider family, but very often only with members of our community. And sometimes it's been very remote. We've not been together. Al tifroish min hatzibur. That's what Hillel says. Don't divide yourself. Don't separate yourself. Don't set yourself apart from your community, from your congregation. They are in need. Not because you need them. They are in need. Are there people in your community who need help? Not financial help necessarily. Perhaps they need a meal. Perhaps all they need is a phone call. Perhaps all they need is a good word to get an email or a text. You belong to a community. You don't belong to that community for what you can get from it. You belong to a community because of what you can give to it. It's a collective of people who share their resources for the benefit of others. I always say, and you know, I've, I've said this so often that I'm sure that those who are watching or listening have heard it before. But some things are just so good that they are worth repeating. You know, when I counsel couples before they get married, I always tell them the secret to a successful marriage, a successful relationship is to make yourself number two in that relationship. What do I mean? If both parties in a relationship of two think that they are number one, that relationship is doomed because they both feel that they take precedence over the other. And in that situation, they cannot be reconciled. doesn't matter. The first moment of conflict is the end of that relationship. In a relationship where one feels that they are number one and another one feels the other one feels that they are number two, that relationship is a very bad relationship. 
it doesn't necessarily work, but it can continue. Because as long as the one who feels that they are number two feels that they can handle the fact that the other one is arrogant and wants to ride roughshod over them, the relationship will continue. That is why you have relationships where there is an abused spouse, for example, and they stay in the relationship for many years. And even when they leave the relationship, they feel bad that they've left it and sometimes they go back to it. Why? Because they're satisfied with their role as the number two, while the other party always feels that they are number one. It's a bad relationship, but it can be sustained. But the perfect relationship is when both parties feel that they are number two in the relationship. That their role in the relationship is to give, not to take. Their role in the relationship is to worry about what the other one in the relationship can get out of the relationship from them. That is the perfect relationship. Says Hillel, in the broadest possible sense, do you know how we can understand that? If you understand a tzibur, a community, as a series of mutually beneficial relationships, al-tifresh min tzibur and the parish says, be'es tzorosom. Do not separate yourself out from the tzibur in a time of need. Suddenly things go wrong and you're nowhere to be found. Why? Because I can't get anything out of it. I always used to come to shul because it was a great kiddish and I wanted to have kibbutz around with my friends at the back of shul and there was a bit of a kiddish club during Haftar. That's why I come to shul. That's why I belong to shul. Now that the shul has got nothing to give me, I didn't have any herring, no chulet, no kiggle. What's the point? Why should I belong to the community? Why should I be a part of a community? Says Hillel Hazokin. What a wise piece of advice. If you want to understand the ultimate ethics, it is do not separate yourself from a tzibur, says the parish, in their time of need. That is when belonging to a tzibur has meaning. When suddenly you can contribute and not necessarily money. Money's important. Sometimes it's to do with money. There's people in your community who are suffering. And financial aid, financial help can be hugely beneficial to them. But it's not just about money. It can be about simple stuff. It can be about friendship. It can be about support. It can be about babysitting. It can be about a friendly word. Making a phone call or sending a text. Belonging to a group. Being part of, as we have in our community, a community WhatsApp group. And somebody says, oh, my, my son had a baby. Or, uh, you know, my son is going to be bar mitzvah. And 20, 30, 40 people text back, mazel tov. I hope you have a wonderful simcha. That feeling is a feeling of altifresh minat zibur. That's what it means to be an ethical person. To belong to something that's greater than the sum of who you are as an individual. You have more meaning because you belong to that community. Never believe in yourself until the day of your passing. Remember, we've mentioned this a few times before, Yochanan Kohen Gadol. Yochanan, the high priest, John Hyrcanus, the famous Hasmonean king, who towards the end of his life became a Sadducee and became a thorn in the side of the Pharisees of Rabbinic Judaism. And in fact, he murdered many of them. And it's recorded in the Talmud, it's recorded in Josephus, how even though he'd spent the first many years of his life being a full-fledged, devoted and faithful Jew, towards the end of his life he became wicked 
And therefore, says Hillel Hazokin, who lived in the era immediately after that, he said, Al ta'amein ba'atzmach ad yom moisach. Don't ever believe in yourself. Don't think that you are immune to the, to the ill effects of the Yetzirah. You are as susceptible to the Yetzirah in old age as you are in young age. It may be that the things that the Yetzirah tries to get you to do are totally different when you're in your 70s or 60s or 50s or 40s than the things that you um, were um, trying to do or were interested in doing when you were in your teens or your 20s or 30s. But it's the same thing. The Yetzirah may change its tactics, it may change its focus, but the Yetzirah remains the same. I've heard this many times from my uncle, Dayan Dunner. He says that it says in the scripture, it says in Tanakh, Melech Zokein Uksil, the Yetzirah is described as a Melech Zokein, an old king, Uksil, and a fool. He says, what do you, how can it be that the Yetzirah is considered to be a fool? Melech Zokein, understand, he's an old king, an experienced king, one with experience in turning people away from Hashem. But why would you describe the Yetzirah, why would you describe the Soton as being a Ksil, a fool? He says, no, no, you're reading it wrong. Not Melech Zokein Uksil, that the Melech is a Ksil. Ksil is, he causes you to be a fool. A Melech Zokein, he's so experienced that when he inserts himself into your life, he can fool you. Uchasil, he turns you into an idiot. That is the power of the Yetzirah. Says Hillel Hazokein, in Mishnah Dalad of Perik Beis of Perikei Oves, Alta mein ba'atzmach ad Never believe that you will fall outside the influence of the Melech Zokein Uchsil. The Yetzirah will have power over you well into your old age and even into your final days. You will never be saved and you must always be on guard to ensure that you're not going to fall into the evil clutches of the Yetzirah. You should never judge uh, your fellow man or woman, you should never judge them until you've been in their shoes. You know, sometimes we see somebody and they do a stupid thing. I mean, it happens from time to time. Have you ever seen someone who does something that you think is idiotic and foolish? And you think, how could they have been so stupid? How could they have allowed themselves to fall into that trap? How could they have done such a foolish thing? What idiots they are! And from the comfort of your Monday morning quarterback armchair, you criticize others for having done things that you think to yourself you would never do. But you know what? Don't judge someone until you've been in their shoes. Don't judge a person just because they've done something wrong, because perhaps the circumstances were such that if you were in those circumstances, you would do exactly the same thing. I know it's happened to me that I've thought to myself, how could somebody be in that situation? And I'm quick to dismiss it as something that I would never do. And suddenly, a month, a year, a few years later, I find myself in a position, I think back, one second. Do you remember you thought to yourself that the other person was such an idiot? But now you're willing to do the same thing. Says Hillel Hazokin in the Mishnah. Don't ever judge somebody else for having done something wrong, because perhaps if you were in that situation, 
you would have done exactly the same thing. You would have made a fool of yourself. You would have shouted. You would have lost your temper. You would have taken the thing that didn't belong to you. You would have felt compelled to behave in a way that you shouldn't behave. You would have done something against the mitzvahs um, that one has to do. You wouldn't have kept Shabbos. You, wouldn't have kept, you would have eaten on Yom Kippur. How can someone eat on Yom Kippur? And yet, maybe one year, you'll find yourself very hungry and nobody's watching you and you're on your own and there's a nice piece of cake in front of you and a drink. And perhaps in that situation, you would rationalize. You think, oh, well, you know, I'm a pre-diabetic and I'm not so healthy and I was just ill. I, I, who knows what reasons you can give to yourself? Suddenly... You'll do the thing that you would thought, not only that you would think that you would never do, but you couldn't understand how someone else could do it. How can someone else break Shabbos? How can someone else not treat their friends correctly? How can someone else take someone else's money or not be charitable? You know what, uh, Rabbi Elephant, he was my Rosh Hashiva, he once told me, there's only one thing that two Jews can agree upon, and that's what the third one should be giving to charity. We're all so busy judging others that we forget that we could be in exactly the same position and behave in the exact same way. And then it says, You know what? One of the most careless things that a person can do is give instructions that are so vague that they won't be carried out properly or... They'll be carried out according to the vagueness of the instruction that you have given, and the end result will be bad. Be extremely careful when your words are being relied upon in terms of actions that are going to be carried out. What you say or what, in fact, you do acts as a, an example. You're a mentor for others. You're going to say something that others are going to listen to very carefully, and they're going to pause like a Gemara or a Rashi or a Rambam. They're going to look at it very carefully, each and every word. What did he say? What did he mean? How did he want us to do this thing? And you didn't really take care that when you were saying it, that you should say it in such a way that the act, when it's carried out, is going to be done properly. Do you know what's going to happen? Can you imagine what's going to happen? It's very simple. The answer is very simple. It's going to be done in the wrong way. You know why? It's called, we call it in England, Murphy's Law. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. Why? Because it can go wrong. If you don't give clear instructions, if you're not clear in the way that you tell people what needs to be done, then the inevitable result is going to be that something will happen that is wrong and bad. It says, Never say anything that is impossible to be heard, to be understood, to be appreciated. Because why? Because that thing that you've said in a wrong way, that thing which you've said, which can be misunderstood, will be understood in the wrong way, and the wrong thing will result. Continues the Mishnah. I think this possibly is the most important advice that anybody could ever be given. Do you know what it is? You know that there's many things that uh, one ends up not doing. What, what do I mean by that? You think to yourself, well, 
I've got so many important things I need to do today. I'll, I'll do it later when I've got time. Anyway, the day goes past and you finish the day and you've done lots of things. I mean, you've had a fully accomplished day. And now you come to do that thing. Oh, I'm so tired. I can't, I can't do it now. It's not possible. I, I'm, I'm not going to manage. I, I really can't get to it now. I'll do it tomorrow. Anyway, tomorrow comes. Guess what? You wake up in the morning. There's so many things to do. Oh, okay, so you start doing them. You think, okay, I'm going to try and get to it earlier. And then you never get to it. It comes to the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year. And that thing has never been done. Now, let me tell you something. Those things that are never done very often are the most important things. Do you know why? Because they are character building things. The things that you need to do are not character building. When you need to pay a bill, because if you don't pay a bill, the person's going to come after you for the money. And then you wake up in the morning, you look at the list of things that you need to do and you pay that bill. That doesn't require a genius. It doesn't require character. It doesn't require um, an inner strength to do that thing. It, all it requires is an awareness that if you don't do it, then something bad is going to happen. That's simple enough. What about those things where nothing bad is going to happen if you don't do them? If you don't make that phone call, if you don't write that thing, if you don't put that thing away... If you don't tidy up, if you don't take care of your family business, you don't uh, have a relationship with the people around you. All of those things you could say, ah, I can put it off till later. I don't have time to do it now. I'm doing important stuff. Everything I'm doing is so important. I can't get to it now. I'll get to it later. But you never get to it. And you know what? Those things are the character building aspects of your life. That's what turns you into the person that you can be into the individual, the best level of person that you can be with what you have. Not doing the important stuff, but doing the less important things and making sure that they get done. It's those details that turn you from someone who just deals with putting out fires into a person who does things because they take care of their business in every possible respect. I remember many years ago, I went to a business management course and they told me all good business people, people who are successful as executives in businesses, in commerce, they work in the following way. The beginning of the day, they draw up a list of all the things that they need to do in order of importance. The most important thing is number one. The next important thing, most important thing is number two, all the way through, let's say, to number ten. So they have a list of all the things they're going to do on that Monday or that Tuesday or that Wednesday. Now... They start at number 10 because the least important thing or the least desirable thing, that's the thing that they should do first. That is the difference between someone who is a strong character, who understands human folly, who understands human weakness and a person who just gives in to human folly and who gives in to human weakness, says Hillel. Valtoima. Never say, oh, when the time arises, when I have a sufficient time to get through this thing, that's when I'll do it. That's when I'll get to it. Eshne, that's when I'll make sure that it gets done. Do you know why? Shema loitipone. You may never get to do it ever. You may never get to reach that desired location. How many people have told me over the course of my many years in public life, if only I would have done this, or if only I would have done that. 
If only I would have spent more time with that person, or if I would have devoted more effort or energy to this particular project, but I never got round to it, and now it's too late. Shema loiti pone. How many things in our lives are Shema loiti pone? We never got to them, and now they can't be done. You should never be a person, says Hillel, and particularly in terms of your faith relationship with Hashem, in particular with the way that you are Jewish. All those little things that you discard or disparage or say are not so important in order for you to be a good Jew or God-fearing individual. Don't say that, I'll get round to it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll manage to get to it eventually. Eventually, I'll set aside time for learning. Eventually, I'll be a better Jew. I'll get to shul on time or I'll daven every day with a minion or I'll eat, you know, kosher in the proper uh, fashion because I'll have time to devote to making sure that my kitchen is the way it should be. All the different aspects of a Jewish life. Hillel said, never be that way. Make sure that those aspects of your life are taken care of as soon as you can, not not in terms of can because suddenly time has come up, but because you woke up this morning and you woke up, you have time. Hashem gave you breath. Hashem gave you a body. Hashem, Hashem gave you a hands. Hashem gave you feet. Hashem gave you awareness. You have a life. Do the things that you need to do. Don't just do the things that you need to do in order to get through the day. Don't put the fires out so that you can say at the end of the day, oh, I've accomplished some, something, you've accomplished nothing. All you've done is make sure that you're a fireman. Put a fireman's hat on. But that's not what it means to be a good person. In order to be a good person, you should be a person. That's a good person. That's what it means to be a moral, fine, upstanding properly charactered person. We leave it here for today. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you for my next Pirkei Ovas Shir. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or to my um, SoundCloud channel. And we look forward to hearing from you. You can email me at any time and I look forward to hearing from you. All the best.